Hey, this is Rashonda Thornton, the Dietitian Against Diets podcast show. I am excited to introduce you to my new monthly panel series called Heart and Grit, Conversations with Mindful Leaders. Now, through these conversations, you will be able to connect to the trials and tribulations that they struggle, but also recognizing the success they've had in their lives. Thanks to Midwest Dairy, every month I will be joined by a different dynamic set of leaders who have done all the footwork behind the scenes, but they have done it with the passion and with their heart. This is an opportunity to connect with their stories, learn their struggles, and celebrate their successes. But most of all, find a way to connect to your life and how this could be an inspiration to you. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Heart and Grit Conversation with Thoughtful Leaders. This month for the month of June, we're going to highlight something a little bit different. We're going to talk about communication and how it creates influence. Now, I know when it comes to communication, sometimes we don't think about how we get our information and how we make decisions from those information. We may not even realize the art of communication or how it all happens. So I am really ecstatic today to introduce you to a, a group of a, a panel members that they all come from different veins of communication. But before I introduce them, I wanna give a shout out to our podcast sponsor, Midwest Dairy Farmers. Um, now, when it comes to communication, they have really worked hard to show their dedication by educating us as an audience about all the different things they've done to be um, ensure that they continue to make efforts and sustainable practices to their land and to their cows. Uh, one thing I have learned through my time working with them is that they are highly dedicated in making sure that we get the most um, abundant nutrient-dense um, products. So if you want to learn more about their stories, um, the importance of why they produce high-quality dairy products, go to their website at www.usdairy.com. So I'm getting ready to introduce you to my audience, to my um, guest today. So I want to start to my right with Carol, I mean, I'm sorry, to my bottom right, to with Carol Harpstreet. She is a dietitian. I also call her, I look at her as a social media influencer, and she's the owner of Street Smart Nutrition. Um, to my bottom is a gentleman by the name of Fred E. Miller. If you're, if you're from St. Louis, you may have seen his face a couple of times. He is a presentation coach, public speaker, and author of um, a series of books called No Sweat, no Sweat Speaking. Um, and last but not least, I have Liv, Liz Wolfson. She is the managing editor of Sauce Magazine. She's also an independent curator and co-founder of a nonprofit art, art gallery called Food Plant and STL. So I want to uh, want to welcome you all today to today's panel. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> thanks so much. Wonderful to be with you. Yes. Yes. It's great to kind of have you all because again, as I said earlier, everyone comes from. There's a lot of overlap in what you all do. I'm sure all of you have put your toe in all areas of communication, but there are certain um, specialties that you guys possess, and that's why I feel it's so important because. Again, I don't think as an as audience, we don't really understand how inf how influential communication and language in, in written literature can be to how we make decisions. Um, so what I want to do is really open up the conversation first with, I know, you know, I, I can always, we always say what we were born to do when we're young, but sometimes we don't, we kind of fall into certain areas that we wasn't, that really wasn't on our radar. So we're going to talk about first, just for you guys individually, how like your decision paved the way to this career pathway that you find yourself on. And I'm going to start with you, Kara. Um, now, as a dietitian and using media and, and partnering with other organizations to influence healthy eating, which I'm very familiar with, <laughs> how do you recognize the power of influence through the vein of media, social media platforms? And how did you find yourself in that space um, starting off as a dietitian? 
Sure. It's a long and uh, rather twisting road. I mean, when I first set out to become a dietitian, I barely knew that that was the career choice that I wanted to be in, much less where I would end up exactly. One of the reasons I actually gravitated to the dietetics profession in the first place uh, was because I had this interesting intersection growing up. I was very active. I was an athlete throughout high school and college. And at some point along the way, you know, I made that connection between nutrition and performance without necessarily knowing all the, the ins and outs. At the same time, I also grew up in a pretty rural area. So we were surrounded by a lot of agriculture, um, had some familiarity with where food came from, but not to a great degree. So the, the intersection of that is what really helped me recognize that I could not only make a career out of something that I was passionate and curious about in, in food and nutrition, but also a way uh, to really help support better health and kind of live out some of the values that I hold both personally and professionally. So if we fast forward through the years, I completed my undergrad, went on to do my dietetic internship and a graduate degree. And throughout that time, I was so preoccupied with just going through the loops of what it took to become a credentialed dietitian. Um, I'm sure you can relate to those years being just uh, completely devoid of a lot of creativity or you know personal growth. And so my my adventure into social media really was born out of that desire. I wanted to uh, share some of the things that I was learning, also kind of explore food and local restaurants in a more creative and exciting way. Mm. So social media for me was actually sort of this creative outlet that started as a hobby more than anything else. Now, as I got into the the career, uh, you know, kind of started working as a dietitian, I actually realized, wow, there, there might be some value here in growing it into more of a side hustle. And by 2017, it had grown to the point that I was essentially, you know, trying to maintain two full-time jobs. It just was no longer sustainable. So that's when I took the full leap uh, to go into small business ownership. So now Street Smart Nutrition is my brand. Um, as you can see here, I'm set up to still work in the private practice arena, but nutrition and uh, communicating facts about nutrition, you know, messages on behalf of clients and other consulting groups, uh, doing work with the media for the public at large. That's actually a huge part of, of my business and social media is absolutely a big piece of that too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it because, um, as you, you see that, you know, I would agree with you when you're saying that you're kind of feel like you're supposed to do only one thing in your profession. And I can, I would speak for any professional that's, you know, whether you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you know, you can still like find ways to be creative and through us educating, you know, um, the audience, but even maybe credentializing things to where there's a lot of false language that's put out there. And I think that taking advantage of, you know, being in the front fold of as a professional, you know, what you're presenting to the, to the audience and influence them in a, in a evidence-based way that's positive. And especially when, it, when you're going against the grain of a society that's, you know, centered around, you know, negativity when it comes to food. So I definitely can understand how that was intriguing to you, Kara, and like how you just kind of have seen it grow and I think you see now that there's a need in that in that space in there. It's a continuation of dietitians. I would say that are also following that pathway as well. Now I love to see that. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I don't think none of them ever if ever thought they would see themselves in this place. So that's to me that's the beauty of creativity. Um, now I want to toss the question to Fred because Fred, the first thing I think about you when I see you all the time is charismatic energy. 
And I know those are two big important pieces when it comes to anyone to stand in front of an audience to capture their attention and to make and keep the information intriguing to them. Um, now, one thing I did uh, see in your bio that you mentioned that you have been a part of several businesses, whether it's full, you were the owner or you're partnering with others. Now, comparable to some of your other endeavors, you know, how did you decide to go into business coaching people in the public speaking and presentation space? Oh, well, thanks for asking. But let me reiterate what you say about your theme for today, communication. This mm -hmm. applies to all of us. The bottom line of all communication, verbal, written, or visual, is the same. We want the recipients as quickly as possible to get it. They may not agree with everything we say. They may not agree with anything. But if they don't get it, you can't have a conversation going forward. And that applies to the podcast, print media, and speaking. You know, and, and this goes hand in glove too, is that my, my mantra, speaking opportunities are business, career, and leadership opportunities. Mm -hmm. And anytime someone gets to speak, like a forum you're providing for us, and thank you, that's a speaking opportunity. People struggle with that. Uh, to answer your question directly, I've had a number of businesses, but I've always been interested in public speakers like Tony Robbins uh. and Les Brown and uh, quite a few of them. And I used to go to the big events. I was in Toastmasters for many years. Mm -hmm. And finally, I wrote my book, first book in 2011, No Sweat Public Speaking. It holds many people back from reaching their potential. Uh, a potential client will call and say, I'm sick and tired of people who don't work as hard as I do. They're not contributing as much to the company but they're getting recognition, bonuses. Sometimes they're getting promoted because they're speaking and they're not very good, <laughs> but they're doing it and I'm not. Mm -hmm. Can you help me? That's the difference, yes. Yeah, I mean, look what the TED Talk has done for your career. It's changed everything, hasn't it? It has really put me in a sp space where yeah. I'm a lot more comfortable because when you're on that TED stage and you are live in front of thousands of people in front of you, but then it's gonna be even hundreds of thousands of people once they get online, it can be nerve wracking. But overcoming it, I really, I would say, yes, uh, Fred, overcoming that big, to me, that's the biggest moment. Now everything else is just, it just falls in line more naturally. Yeah, like it's that. a great credential to say you gave a TED talk. Yeah, that's true. And that's all about expertise. If you're out there in the media, you're doing interviews like this, or you're publishing articles or blog posts, doing podcasts, it all gets out there and it makes you perceive you as an expert. People love to work with experts. Experts command more money for their products and services, right? Yep. Yeah. And experts for a reason. Yeah. Um, Liz, speaking of experts, now I want to just put it out there. Mm -hmm. Liz, you have a handful of degrees and you actually have your PhD um, in American studies. So really walk us through like how that's connected to like, uh, what you do now when it comes to publication, because I read in your bio, you are part of Sauce Magazine, but you have done a handful of other things, either simultaneously or prior to Sauce Magazine. Yes, that's right. And, you know, for me, um, the through line with all the things that I've done, um, not just as an adult, but really, you know, throughout my life has been driven by my interest in and love of storytelling. Um, I love talking to people. I love learning about people's experiences and backgrounds. And I love telling people's stories. And, um, you know, I, I was doing that for many years before I started the PhD. 
Um, I was a freelance uh, writer, mostly focusing on visual art, but other mm -hmm. forms of uh, creative culture, music, um, <clears throat> other things. I was contributing to St. Louis Magazine here in St. Louis, um, the Art 21 website, um, you know, many publications, and um, decided to to do the PhD uh, because I wanted to tell the stories that I was interested in um, as well as possible, yeah. <laughs> basically. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I do love teaching, you know, and of course, a lot of people with PhDs do go into teaching. And, you know, for a time, I thought, oh, maybe I'll become a professor. You know, that was definitely, a, you know, a possibility that was on the table. But um, ultimately, um, you know, my love of writing um, you know, really, really won out. And um, I just knew that I wanted to, um, you know, continue sharing stories, um, you know, through, through the, you know, through the written word, um, primarily. Um, I'll add on to that. Um, you mentioned the art gallery that I uh -huh. co-founded, um, Floodplain, um, a reference to our geography here in, in St. Louis in the Midwest, um, situated at the Missouri and Mississippi rivers. Um, you know, that was uh, an outgrowth of the storytelling I was doing through art exhibitions. You know, um, I don't think most people think of an, an exhibition, you know, as telling a story, but they very much are mm -hmm. um, always. So, um, you know, that was something that I, you know, I had, had a long-term uh, interest in as well. So really storytelling and the, the power of storytelling, that's the through line for me. Yeah, and I like how you highlighted, actually just kind of piggyback what Fred said about visual is a form of communication. And that, that part right there can't be, taken, can't be taken for granted because what you see <laughs> also heavy, heavily influences how you interpret it, how you perceive, and how you um, just connect with any, any given uh, messaging. So no, it seems oh, like yes. you got your hands yeah, I'm situated in a lot of different things. Stories. Story. It's all about the stories. Mm -hmm. Everything's about the story. In fact, the, 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 base, the body of a speech, make a point, tell a story, but make it yeah. a personal story that supports that point. There, mm -hmm. There's a guru in the presentation world, Nancy Duarte. She did these slides for Al Gore and Inconvenient Truth. And she says, personal stories are the emotional glue that connect your audience to your message. Yeah. And when you tell those great stories, we go into the hard drive of our brain and we pull out a supporting story ourselves. And people remember the story. Yep, that was the cornerstone. Figures, yeah. Yeah, that was the cornerstone to the TED Talk is you're telling a story, you're having a conversation because that what connects to the audience. So yes, Fred, we're gonna jump um, subjects. I wanna, Fred, I wanna um, give you back the microphone. Um, now, what I wanna talk about is how like, the dynamics of communication and like how it's looked at in, in your eyes. Now, one thing you said is that the ability to communicate is one of the most important skills we need. Now, your three-week series all begin with no sweat. So what is significance about using that common phrase that goes across the theme of all your books? Oh, branding. You want, you want people to know who you are. It's not just a theme. These are, my daughter calls these my signature black glasses, my signature black shirt. But you want to have that branding mm -hmm. that people remember you. So no sweat public speaking, no sweat elevator speech. People, you want them to remember you and perceive you as that expert. Yeah. And that's real important to, to building that brand. 
Yeah. And that's catchy. It's catching it and it makes sense. Like obviously people freeze up or there's a lot of anxiety that's built around public speaking. And you're basically saying, okay, I'm teach you how to just take it easy. It's no sweat. You're going to breeze through it, you know, which takes work and time, but it makes that potential client um, feel a little bit more comfortable stepping in to that space. Yeah. Like you said, all about branding. Um, Liz, I have another question for you. Kara, I have not forgotten about you. Uh, but Liz, uh, we know magazines are, this is a question that I you know, came up with because I always wonder how it works with magazines because magazines are created to sometimes serve a particular audience. But my question is what comes first, the interest of certain audience or creating the interest by building a specific audience through your, through your literature work or through a magazine? Like what comes first? You create an audience sure. or you find that audience? You know, that's such a good question. And to be perfectly honest, I've never I've never asked myself that question or, or any of my magazine um, colleagues. So, you know, I I don't want to, to pretend that I have mm -hmm. a, a ready <laughs> a ready answer out the box, but um, you know, just my um, sort of um, experiential um, response to that is I do think that the audience exists first because I think when you start a publication, um, you you know even if you don't have an individual reader or listener, you know whatever the the medium may be um, in mind, you know you have a sense that there is a group out there that you're trying to reach. And it might be a very tiny group, you know, maybe you really only care about reaching 50 people, um, you know, or it could be a very huge group, you know, it could be, you know, millions of people. Um, but I think it is that sense of, um, you know, there are a, a group of people out there who are, you know, already interested in what you have to say and or that they could become interested mm -hmm. if you can hook their attention. Mm -hmm. So I suppose it's both, you know, I, I don't think that anyone would start a publication, um, you know, with the sense that they have to build an, you know, they have to grab all of their readers, you know, from out the gate. You know, I think you kind of want some people who are going to be easy, easily, you know, who are easily going to be on board mm -hmm. with what you're saying and interested, but, um, you know, at least with a subject like food, you know, and dining and, and drinking, you know, which is the subject matter that we deal with at Sauce. I mean, you know, what's really exciting about it for me is that everyone eats, you know, it's part mm -hmm. of, you know, our most basic uh, functions as humans. We, we, we must all eat in order to sustain our lives. And so because of that, it really does make the potential audience, I think, for what we write about quite expansive. Of course, we also focus on dining and drinking in the St. Louis area. So, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's going to, you know, necessarily sort of um, constrain our audience in a certain kind of way. Folks who are in St. Louis are interested yeah, in local. St. Louis, but um, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's my, my thought. I'm sorry I don't have a more no, definitive no, it's perfect. response. 
because it's true it's like you know it, again it's talk about the, the the power of communication influence like you may start off with an audience but then once you capture the audience you can create the culture around that audience and even make change to where you're bringing more people into that culture i mean it just it's a lot of match that can go behind the scenes there's a lot of power behind it so it's like what comes first the, the egg or the chicken like i think that you know it's kind of a yes. hard question yeah but you did a very well, good job and, answering it. Well, thank you. And I will say, you know, we, I mean, you know, they, they're in, um, you know, journalism or, or media theory, you know, they speak about gatekeepers, you know, in, um, you know, in positive ways and negative ways, but it, it is the nature of the media, you know, um, in a way, you know, you are making choices about what gets put on the page, you know, who mm -hmm. gets featured and, um, and we certainly are aware of that, you know, and we think about that a lot in terms of, um, you know, the choices we make with every single issue, you know, with our online content, of course, um, you know, and trying to tell as many stories as we can and as many kinds of stories that we yeah. can. Diversification. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. Great. Kara, um, question to you. Now, we know messaging is um, so vital when it comes to influence and education. I think for especially your profession, education is a big part of it. Um, with the media partnerships that you've had, what are some examples of ways you have used your platform to bring awareness um, with other partners and why do you feel that's so important to you? I think this is a great question because it's speaking to, you know, some of what we've already covered, just the process of communication and making it a dialogue instead of a lecture. And I think one of the early mistakes that I made was thinking that facts and information was all that yeah. I needed to provide to convey value. And I could not have been more wrong because that's a dime a dozen. It's a very saturated space in the mm -hmm. social media world. And one of the only distinctions that you can bring to yourself and your brand is some personality, you know, letting people get a peek behind the scenes. And one of the things that I learned along the way was uh, the cycle of knowing, liking, and trusting someone in the sense that they yes. first get to know a little bit about who you are, uh, what you do, maybe your credentials or training. They start to like you, you know, there's mm -hmm. something that resonates with your story or the way that you explain things that uh, they connect with. And that's certainly valuable. And then finally, they start to trust you. There's some history there. They've maybe grown with you as your business expands or as you reach new audiences. And that trust is what really becomes important when you have something essential to share. And, you know, the brand partnerships, uh, I have a pretty stringent litmus test that I put potential partners through because I don't want to tarnish that trust in the relationship that I have with my audience. And so there's a really important vetting process of asking a set of questions around, you know, what is the goal of this partnership? Does this align with my brand and my values? And finally, you know, is this going to have any value for, for my audience? Is that something that they're curious about? You know, similar to what Liz was saying, I think that there is sort of these unanswered interests or questions. You know, a lot of people might learn or hear something and maybe that sets them out on their own discovery path as they get more curious about the topic. So, you know, that process of knowing, liking and trusting someone, I think is such an important piece of that influencer, influencer to audience relationship. Um, but it does, of course, have its limitation. It's pretty rare these days that I get a closed loop of communication where mm -hmm. 
anything beyond a comment on a post or maybe a direct message. Uh, beyond that, you know, there's really not a lot of opportunity to gauge how this information is landing. And so sometimes it's sort of an art and a science. You know, I can do my best guesswork to try to determine or measure how well these partnerships play out. But I think when I have partners like, for example, Midwest Dairy, um, these are, are companies or products that I have grown up using that I have a personal connection with and I would likely be using and recommending them regardless of any uh, formal partnership mm -hmm. or, or sponsored content coming out. And so that's another piece of the litmus test, you know, kind of asking myself, you know, how do I feel about these partnerships? Uh, does it line up with what I want to be doing in my work as a dietitian? And that usually gets me pretty close to a, a confident answer when it comes to weighing what options and opportunities are out there. Yeah. And you got to, and like you say, you have to be really well in your vetting because your name is writing on these, on these relationships, you know, and, and you have to, one thing I, I concede can be an issue for people is once they get opportunities, they just, they take everyone uh, without actually re pausing to see if this represents them or, or do they represent that company? Is there a mutual? Um, and I think sometimes people get lost and then when it comes to self-branding, if you see a person that's kind of scattered around different companies that probably causes conflict, then it questions like their integrity or like, you know, how, how much connected are they to this particular company or do they really, really support this company or is it just kind of a, a paycheck underneath the table? So I think it's very important, like you say, when you're doing branding to be really careful who you partner with because you, it's going to travel with you for your entire career. Yeah. Now, one thing I will say is that I know, you know, Fred, he owns his own, he has, he's a business owner, Carrie, you're a business owner. And uh, Liz, you work for St. Louis Magazine, but you also have your other side projects. And all I can say, what sits underneath all of that is your passion. You know, that the topic of this, the whole topic of this particular panel is called heart plus grit, which means there's work, there's a lot of passion underneath it. So Liz, I'm gonna ask you a question. Um, you know, as an editing manager, and you can even kind of go through what that looks like, um, you know, you had a life in a career before that. But my question is, when were some difficult times when you consider like another route? Um, and what kind of kept you on this path to deciding, like you say, you kind of weeded through and you decide this is kind of where you want to sit your next career. How did, where are those times where you kind of had difficult moments deciding? Sure. I mean, one that immediately comes to mind is, um, you know, kind of being at that moment, you know, at the, you know, when you're in the final phase of, of a degree program, like a PhD, and you're doing that final, you know, project, you know, in my case, it was my, my dissertation, um, you know, that's kind of the, you know, that last um, hurdle that you have to, you know, leap over before you get that piece of paper, that mm -hmm. diploma. And, you know, as I said, you know, I, um, you know, I, I, I care about education. I love teaching. I love being in the classroom. I did a lot of teaching as a graduate student and enjoyed it immensely. Um, but I was looking at, you know, to be perfectly honest, the job market for folks in my field. And, you know, seeing what my, my peers, um, you know, who were finishing before me were going through, you know, to find that mm -hmm. secure next position. And, um, you know, a lot of the personal sacrifices that they were having to make in terms of moving very far away from family, from partners, 
um, often uh, moving around the world. You know, I had many colleagues who, you know, took jobs in, in you know, in China and countries in the Middle East and Europe. I mean, mm. you know, places that certainly are, you know, interesting, you know, places to live. But, you know, for me, um, you know, I was in my mid-30s, my late 30s at the time, and it just wasn't a great fit with kind of, you know, where I, how I saw my life shaking out, mm -hmm. I suppose. Okay. And so, you know, that was kind of the a moment, you know, as you say, like a turning point or a, a uh, you know, a fork in the road where I had to sort of make some, some tough choices because, you know, one can't necessarily test all doors. Um, you know, it's not, um, it's just not, not possible. You know, you have to make some, some choices and say that, you know, I'm going to um, try the knobs on this set of doors and I'm going to leave this other set of doors be. Yes. Um, and, and so, you know, that was, that was the choice I had to make at the end of my, you know, as I was finishing my degree and leaving grad school and, um, you know, it, I, it, yeah, but it, it obviously worked out in a way that I'm very happy with. Yeah. That's the me, that's the beauty of like, you have, at least you have freedom of choice. You know, it's just all about how are you going to make, you know, which you don't even know which door opens to which door, which is to yes. me, the uncertainty is the fun part. But um, it, you just be amazed at, you know, how your life just kind of molds itself to where you find an interest in a certain place at a certain time that, you know, fits where you want to go when you just, and it is very clear to you. And then, you know, that's where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Yes. And I think that what's important is just having a really clear understanding of, what motivates you, you know, what drives you to do, you know, work that you feel satisfied mm -hmm. by, um, you know, and that's, you know, satisfaction, both in terms of enjoyment, but of course, also important considerations like, you know, financial stability and, you know, the ability to keep a roof over your head and put food on your table, you know, yes. I mean, there are many forms of satisfaction that come that come from a job and being i think really honest and clear about all of those is is important yes. and um takes time you know i mm -hmm. do think it, it even you know i mean it it didn't come overnight for me you know it did take a lot of um time and deep thought and reflection to yeah. be clear and about those things that's good that's really good to point that part out it doesn't it's you don't wait just wake up in the morning and this this is exactly what you wanted. It takes a little bit of, you know, decision-making and second-guessing until you get to a spot where you feel this is, um, this is more solid. Yes. Absolutely. Kara, um, um, having to be creative in the social media space, um, and I always say um, being creative and interesting, like say plays a role in a person's ability to, like you say, they learn about you, they trust you, they like you, and then that's how you create that influence. Um, now, what obstacles have you encountered, you know, or what would you say have been your biggest set, setbacks and how did you overcome that just through pure passion? Yeah, so you certainly alluded to, I think, one of the, if not the biggest challenge, which is that a lot of the skills that I use in my day-to-day -day work at this point in time were not part of my formal education. Mm -hmm. uh, as, a, as a dietitian, you certainly learn a lot about anatomy, 
physiology, you know, biological sciences, food, all the rest. And that is exciting and infinitely interesting to me, but that doesn't necessarily propel a small business to a successful spot or a, a financially sustainable spot. Yeah. So I think my biggest struggles, you know, in thinking through things are learning skills that just don't come as naturally or as easily. So this would be things like, you know, creating eye-catching graphics or establishing a really clear brand voice, uh, learning the ins and outs of maintaining a website and assessing and measuring how, how certain pieces of content are performing. I think some of the, the software skills that, that you sometimes think about also go really overlooked. And I want to give credit to that because in all honesty, I think that's some of what has brought some of the success for me. And this could be things like responding to emails in a timely manner, you know, mm -hmm. being overly communicative with uh, here's an update on the status of this project or, you know, something within this partnership has shifted for me. I want to run this by the client and make sure everyone is on the same page. Um, I think this is sort of a, a fine line between is it nature or nurture? I do feel like there are aspects of my personality that tend to be more creative, but at the same time might struggle with things like organization or, uh, you know, content calendar planning. So kind of learning those skills along the way has, has really been helpful for social media. Um, but I think also too, you know, kind of as Liz was saying, this isn't something that you develop overnight. I've been active on social media for roughly five years at this point in a very, you know, active and, and consistent sense. And even just last week, I looked back to some of my first posts on Instagram and I just <laughs> cringed to look at them because you can really see how progress is so slow when you're in the thick of it. Yes. It really takes some perspective and time to look back and realize like, wow, I, I really have uh, built a solid foundation of a skill set that can grow and adapt with me for future work opportunities. Um, I think that creative piece is so, so essential for whatever audience you're creating content for, uh -huh. whether that's spoken, visual, you know, uh, video in the sense. Um, but I think having that adaptability and flexibility within the different uh, tools at your disposal can be a really helpful thing and something that I would encourage anyone to kind of get into um, developing some of those skills in, in whatever arena you work in, regardless of your industry. Yeah. Yeah, stick your foot out there and like just start with something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if this is necessarily wise advice, but it was uh, sort of the the rule that I set for myself was that I had a year of yes, where for any potential opportunity that that came my way during my first full time year of being um, on my own and self employed, I had a rule that unless it was going to significantly impact my ability to live my life, I would say yes to opportunities because um, just as, as you were saying earlier with branding, sometimes it's not so much what you know you want to do, it's like what you know you don't want to do. Um, and one of the only ways that I felt I could learn that for myself was to try some things to realize that I really don't like them, I don't want to do them mm -hmm. again, but also zero in on, hey, this is something I really enjoy, I'm going to do more of this. Um, and being open to learning on the fly. I think there's a lot of projects that I took on where I was very much underprepared and had to learn a new skill in action while we were completing the progress. So maybe a little bit of um, over-promising and, and learning on the fly, I think. Is, uh, I think sometimes that's, that's a great thing because it puts you out there and, and it's like you either sink or, sink or, um, sink or sail. Like you, but then you, you're putting yourself in a position where you have to just move forward. And guess what? You found that it wasn't that bad. You know, so I think it just gives you something else that you say, okay, I only, you know, I didn't have that much time to really 
um, position myself for that, but it worked out fine and it just gives you another skill set. Um, no, but thank you for sharing all the different. That's really helpful for people that are just getting into, you know, how are they going to, you know, do their branding or communicate, you know, which avenue they feel works best for them. Um, Fred, being an author, a public speaker and presentation coach, I mean, whenever I see any of you, I mean, he is consistent. He, I'm always getting emails. I'm always in his on Facebook. I mean, he is very consistent in his in his in his in his company, his branding. Now. On the outside, I just see Fred having a good time and being very creative. He's always ahead of the game when it comes to this information. But I know that that's a lot of hot, hard hours and work, Fred, that you put behind um, your work. Um, it's a lot of times that gets overlooked. Um, but fortunately, your passion for doing this really is what prevails through all these things. So to me, my question to you is, what is your biggest struggle um, personally or professionally um, and how have you had, how have you been able to overcome this and follow, keep following your career passion? Well, I, I think time. <laughs> Sometimes there's not enough time to do all these things. And you want to have life balance too. I have my grandkids here today. Mm. You know, you, you, you've got to balance your life. A couple of good points were made here. Uh, communication skills. St. Louis Community College does a survey every year. And one of the things that businesses tell them that new hires are lacking is communication. You could be a great accountant, mechanic, HVAC guy, but if you can't communicate with your underlings, with your bosses, with prospects and with clients, your career is going to be stifled. Another thing I think everyone should have, we've alluded to it, everyone should have the mindset that we're all self-employed. My dad had one job from cradle to grave, you know, one, one job his whole life after he graduated college. He hasn't done anymore. I've probably done about five or six things. My son has done more than that. And if we had that mindset mm -hmm. that we're self-employed, then we'll build what, what we call as an expert stool. And it's three legs, speaking, writing, and then using social media to get all that out to people. Hmm. So if you send somebody a proposal or you apply for a job and somebody says, you know, I got that proposal, really looks good. I, I look at your website, boy, you got a lot of stuff there. How do I find out more about you? Well, if you've built this stool and it's a process, not an event, you can say, Google me. Yeah. What you're saying is, don't, don't take my word for it. Check me out. That's a good way to do it. And speaking of communication, people, people learn three different ways. Most of us are visual learners, probably 65%. 35% uh, are auditory. That's why audiobooks are so popular. And some people are kinesthetic. I, I've got a friend, if you're sitting here, he'd fill a ream of paper. And doing your blog posts, and I do them regularly. I used to do them weekly, now I'm doing them every other week. I take that blog post and I take, I do the audio of it. That goes into yeah. a podcast channel because that's the way some people rather hear it. If I do little videos, and you wanna do little videos, yeah. we, we have the attention span of a nap. So do, do a little video, two minutes or less, here again, pull out the audio, have it go into an iTunes podcast channel, that's free, and pull out the text and have that go below it. And that's three things that people can find and so can Google. And you just wanna build that brand of yourself. Always learn new skills and always enhance the ones that you have. Otherwise you're gonna be left behind. Mm -hmm. And it's forever changing too. So, you know, yeah. that's another thing, yeah. No, I love it. I love it, Fred. And you do live behind everything you just said. Now, we're getting close towards the back end of the panel. And so one thing that 
I highlight is your individual stories, your struggles. And now I want to talk about, and we're, now we've talked about your successes and how you gotten to where you're at. So now I really want to, you know, use this next um, five to 10 minutes talking about like lessons for others. Like how, what are be some tips and some stuff we can give to others that are considering, you know, have tried it, you know, don't have the confidence or don't even know how to start. I'll start uh, with you, Kara, again, um, with this question. Uh, and this is, you know, definitely an entrepreneurship space. Every person that boldly steps outside of the norm as a dietitian to fulfill their passion, they face times where they consider going back, you know, the status quo or kind of letting go of their dreams. What would be your words of encouragement to help redirect that person back um, to that path that they're wanting to choose? Yes, there are certainly struggles day in and day out. I think if you never have those thoughts cross your mind, you you might not truly be an entrepreneur. I think if we're honest with ourselves, uh, it, it comes up more often than we might want to admit. My best advice is to, similar to what Liz was saying about clarity, is to get really clear on the values and the type of life that you aspire to have. I think so often we really romanticize this grind of the side hustle or this grind of being an entrepreneur, when in reality, you know, that can kind of cover up or erase some of the behind the scenes things that actually do feel very fulfilling and satisfying. You know, when you can wake up each day and live in this, you know, autonomous setting that you've created for yourself, that might not be as glamorous. It might not be as easily romanticized, but it does feel really good day in, day out. So I think sitting and really reflecting on what your values are and what you want out of your entrepreneurial journey is a key piece of it for those times when motivation ebbs and flows. Um, I kind of use the analogy of um, either a plane on a runway or like a sailboat on the ocean, and you have to find something that gives you a little bit of lift uh, you want to have a long enough runway that you can get your business up and running, you know, get it to this financially sustainable or maybe more stable spot. And there's certain things that you can do to extend your runway. You know, you might get an influx of money. You might have um, additional training. You might have other resources. But without a little lift or sort of like that intrinsic motivation, it's really hard to get that plane off the ground and keep it in the air. And same thing with a boat, you know, if you don't have something that periodically comes in and puts a little bit of wind in your sails, mm -hmm. you really don't get anywhere. It can be a really tough journey for that entrepreneur. So I think clarity around your values and a good understanding of what your expectations are and what you need. Not every small business owner needs to clear a million dollars a year to be happy or successful by their definition. So I think this clarity and a lot of honest reflection uh, has been helpful for me when when those thoughts have crossed my mind. Yeah, no, those are great. Yeah, that's is very true because, you know, when you want to first start something, it's your baby, you're excited about it. You think everyone else is going to be just as excited and when they don't really get their response, it kind of can be discouraging when it's not, you know, understand that how are you going to make what you love turn into something others love. So it takes time, you know, it takes that intrinsic, you know, motivation to keep going and get more creative to create your messaging or your influences. So it's very true. Fred, um, question for you. When you're approached um, by someone who, I'm sure you, especially being a coach, this is like your, your niche here. When you are um, approached by someone who second guesses themselves uh, or just not have been exposed to opportunities that will help fulfill their passion, what will be some foundational um, next steps that you would recommend for them? That's why people need a coach. Everyone, everyone's too close to themselves and they give that negative self-talk. A good coach will listen and ask questions so you hear yourself. 
let, let me tell you a story. There was a short TED talk or part of a TED talk I saw last week. It was a physician, a surgeon, and he always heard about coaches. But usually you hear about coaches, they're for athletes. Sometimes mm-hmm. athletes will hire their own coach. But there are acting coaches, coaches for musicians. But he hears us coaches for professionals, and he's thinking, I'll get a coach. He hires one of his ex-professors and he says, come in the operating room with me, take some notes and we'll discuss it afterwards. He said it was a great surgery. Everything went perfect. But they sat down afterwards and the professor had a ream of paper (laughs) and a lot of little things like, uh, you know, that that, the light, it was at a little bit different angle. You didn't quite see the wound. That could have been a problem. Or when you were operating your your arm, it, it wasn't quite as it should have been. He said a whole bunch of little things that when he improves them will make a great difference. And he said, I'm a, I'm a really, really good surgeon. This guy will make me the best. Mm. So I think people need coaches. Have that attitude that you're self-employed. I think speak, blog, and teach. And, and you can relate to this. When you go into med school, they say, see one, do one, teach one. Because if you yeah. can teach it, you've got to master it. I'll tell another story. My wife was a teacher. I never had any educational classes. But when I started teaching part-time at St. Louis Community College and I had a meetup, I was way out of my comfort zone. But the fact is, when we get out of our comfort zone, we make it larger. So get with a coach, find that passion, and then start writing about it, speaking about it, and hopefully teaching about it. That would be my best advice. Great. No, I love it, Fred. Love it. Liz, I'm going to leave you with the last question. Um, you know, we're always told that we can do anything we want to do if you put your mind to it. And that's kind of a cliche. Um, so in the communication industry, you know, how would one determine the strategy to stand out and come, become a voice amongst others? Gosh, how to stand out. I think, um, well, to, to piggyback off the, what, you know, Fred's great point about you know, finding a coach, you know, I think that there's that role has a lot of different names, you know, the idea of someone to give you feedback, you know, to listen or read um, or observe what you're doing and to, you know, be that sort of external perspective who can, um, you know, uh, reflect to you, you know, both what's great and, you know, what could use improvement about what you're doing. Um, and I think that having someone who can help you hone what's unique about what it is that you're doing, writing, saying, <laughs> et cetera, um, is, a, is a, a great way to ensure that you, um, you know, supply yourself with the highest sort of stool to stand out mm-hmm. in that crowd. Um, you know, the more that you can connect with your unique voice and everyone has a unique voice um you know the more you can connect with it the more effective you'll be at broadcasting it out there um so i think that that's a really important you know um way to to kind of position yourself um to most effectively stand out i mean i can certainly think back on so many readers um you know, teachers, um, bosses, peers, um, all kinds of people, you know, family, you know, anyone, you know, who can read, listen, see, and, um, you know, give good, honest, precise 
feedback. And not everyone can do that, right? I mean, better to have someone than no one, but the best case scenario is you find someone who's really good at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 really great. And it, it kind of reminds me of what Kara said earlier, like you be very clear on, on your, you know, what's important to you, your values, your vision, because if you don't, then you won't be a steady, if, you know, you want, you won't have your unique voice. You'll find yourself kind of copying someone else's style and not really being who you are, you know, and I, I think it's worth you to stand out, you know, you know, like just one thing I, I was always told, just be yourself. The more yourself, that's the most genuine you're going to be because people can read through when you're being commercialized or you're, you know, they, they know the genuality between a person's, um, and the way they present themselves. So no, I do definitely, um, agree with what you just said. Um, so we are unfortunately getting to a close, but I'm just loving a different conversation perspective I'm getting from all of you. I mean, I'm learning to myself. I mean, just even some of the small things that uh, Fred said, like how you used that analogy about the doctor, who would think a doctor needs another coach, right? So it just shows us that everyone has room to grow and bringing us other people oh, yeah. in that's not too close will be your best ally in this. Um, but as we're getting ready to close, I don't want to leave out opportunity for each and every one of you to help um, the audience find ways to learn about you, your, your services, your company, how to reach out to you, um, even the things that's upcoming for this um, summer or any events that you guys have. So um, Liz, I'll start off with you. you. You're part of Sauce Magazine, so I'm sure there's some, some good info that's coming up that you wouldn't mind um, sharing with us. Absolutely. So you can find us online, um, saucemagazine.com. Um, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, you know, uh, Sauce Magazine. Um, I can be reached uh, via email, um, lwolfson at saucemagazine.com. Always happy to hear from, you know, potential contributors. You know, we're always accepting story pitches um, related to you know, food, dining, drinking in the St. Louis region. Um, also, um, Sauce uh, it has just relaunched its very popular Food Truck Friday event mm -hmm. series that happens in Tower Grove Park. We just had our first one last Friday, huge success. Over a dozen food trucks in Tower Grove Park. Um, right. yeah. You know, tons of great food, music. So um, come check that out as well. Yeah, I, I saw it in the, uh, I think it was like a Facebook event or whatever. I was like, oh, they brought it back. Because right now people are wanting to kind of get back out there and yeah. kind of get back to normality. So it was great timing. Yes, that's great to know. Yeah. And we're doing it safely, even though, you know, we're still following, you know, a lot of pandemic specific protocols with, you know, crowd space of okay. that nature. So we are, you know, creating that space. Good, good, good. Uh, Carrie, even though you're in Kansas City, again, you're in the social media realm, so it doesn't matter where you're at. So please let us know how anyone can reach out to you, whether it's through partnership or it's clients, or just kind of give us some insights how we can, can connect with you. Absolutely. Well, social media, first and foremost, is a great spot. I probably spend more time on there than I really should, but Instagram <laughs> is my largest platform. So Street Smart Nutrition is my brand and business, and online you'll find me at streetsmart.rd. And if you go to the link in the bio there, that'll direct you to both my website, which has my direct email if you're curious to reach out, as well as a contact form. That's a great avenue for potential partners or other opportunities to work together, including in a private practice setting for nutrition counseling. And then finally, it's also a great place to sign up for my newsletter. Uh, I send that out on a bi-weekly 
bi-monthly basis, so every other week, as well as new post updates every Friday. And that's where I try to gather things that I feel are worth uh, worth eating, worth reading, some uh, special highlights that come out from the nutrition world, and kind of touching on some of the other issues that touch the, the food system at large. So even thinking beyond nutrition into some of the uh, other social impacts of uh, food insecurity, access, um, inequality and justice in the food space. So I find yeah. some really interesting things that I share through that platform as well. If that sounds like anything that, uh, if you're listening, sounds like it's interesting, I definitely encourage you to sign up. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. You come with a handful of different things when it comes to nutrition, not just one particular avenue. So definitely can be enriching for a multitude of people that has different interests for sure. Um, Fred, um, I'm going to give you the mic at the, at the end of the day. Just, just tell us everything about your books, everything about your coaching, everything, anything you want um, to know about uh, your services. All right. Well, thank you, Rashonda, for this speaking opportunity. This is <laughs> a speaking welcome. opportunity for all four of us. Uh, and speaking opportunities are business, career, and leadership opportunities. But I've got two gifts for people. If you'll email me, fred at no sweat, no sweat public speaking. <laughs> com. I'll send you a speaker's template and I'll send you an elevator speech template or I'll send you several elevator speech templates. An elevator speech is that mini infomercial that you go to networking events, somebody says, uh, you know, before we get started, we're going to go around the room. When it's your turn, stand up, tell us who you are, what you do, give us your elevator speech. Most people like this. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, if you don't promote yourself, I've got a friend, his, his dad told him, it's a hungry dog that doesn't wag its own tail. <laughs> you've got to have a great elevator speech. Very true. So email me, Fred, at nosweatpublicspeaking.com, and the website is nosweatpublicspeaking.com. Great. There you go. No sweat. Well, uh, everyone, again, thank you for just taking time just to give us some insight on um, just the intricacies of communication and how it can be applied to anyone that has any any uh, interest to, you know, expanding their horizon using communication and its influence. Uh, I do appreciate you guys for coming on today. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much. So, so great so to meet you all. <laughs> yes, you're so welcome. Yeah, fun. Great job. And as I say, you know, I've coined myself as a dietitian against diets. And that's just another easy way to give you kind of an understanding of where I stand. Um, but using platforms like this, not necessarily about the food, but it's about having these conversations. So um, each month we have a different theme and we're always bringing together thoughtful leaders within their respective industry. So thank you guys for being a part of this conversation. Feel free to reach out to anyone in this platform. Um, we got all kind of different talents coming here. So take advantage of them, please. And they'll be more than willing to help you through your journey. Uh, and again, thank you guys for um, another opportunity. And we'll see you next month with the Dietitian Against Diets podcast show. Enjoy your week. So thanks for being a part of their stories, their struggles, and their successes. Because of the work of the local dairy farmers and efforts from Midwest Dairy, we were able to bring more monthly conversations to you from mindful leaders that can be able to come to the table and tell you about their own path that can inspire you. So be on the lookout for next month's panel, Conversations with Mindful Leaders. See you next month.